Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm on the floor with a very special guest. Uh, I have my good friend Yvonne Cha. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm Yvonne. I am 25 mm. and I am 5'1. Okay, wait. And this isn't like, <laughs> is a dating show. I'm not trying to auction you off. <laughs> I just felt like people knew where to stand in order to make eye contact mm. over the podcast, you mm. know? Just visualize exactly. my... Yeah. Okay. Um, know the surface area. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, exciting stuff. I I work in publishing. Mm. I edit books. Um, and I'm currently working on a Korean novel that mm. it's being translated into English. Wait, are you writing two novels? So I'm writing my own novel and then I'm editing a novel for work. Ah, okay. Because... Yes, my day job is a, uh, as an it. editor, and then my life project. Life project. Yeah, my passion project, I guess, is my, mm. my novel. It's about a Korean girl mm. who grows up in Queens, Flushing, Queens. If y'all are from Flushing, Queens, is hello. Yes, that's where I grew up. Um, yeah, it's about this little girl who grows up in Flushing, Queens, and then one morning she wakes up and both of her parents are gone. Um, and she goes to church looking for them and yeah mm, how far along are you i've been working on this since undergrad so i guess it's been eight years wow i mean on and off mm-hmm. I, I worked on a chunk of it in grad school but mm-hmm. so it's like fictional but based on yes it's auto fiction okay yeah it's pretty much my life story mm. but for the sake of selling it it's got to be a novel. Oh, this uh, background noise in the street, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> um, wait, but I think that's so fitting because I actually asked you if for today's episode we could kind of share about our experiences growing up as a Korean American. Like mm-hmm. you growing up in Queens and, and I grew up in Oregon and mm-hmm. LA, I guess. So yeah. I feel like our experiences were very different. Probably. And it, this is something that I actually get asked a lot like surprisingly mm. i think after dating the korean american experience is like the most asked question that's so interesting right i was really what do surprised they know? yeah most people who are asking they want to know just like our experience growing up and what that was like um like how we navigated it like was it i think i think people are just like looking for a connection you know mm. and like wanting to relate and feel like oh i'm not alone in this and I think that's kind of the point of this podcast, too, I realize, is a lot of people are just looking for someone to, like, relate to them, you know, and kind of feel heard and understood. Yeah. I feel like growing up, I was always looking for that, too. Mm. And whether it was, like, watching Lizzie McGuire mm-hmm. or The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody on Disney Channel and... You know, there's that one Asian girl, Brenda Song, and you think last name Song, oh, she must be Korean. Korean. Like, oh, I feel so seen right now. But those moments were really rare. I think also it was strange because I grew up in a predominantly Korean immigrant neighborhood. I think my school was like 70% Asian. Really? Yeah, it was super Asian. I mean, there weren't a lot of white people. I don't think I encountered a white person until middle school. That's an exaggeration. Because that was honestly the opposite for me. Oh, really? I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. That's true, yeah. I'm and so I didn't, encount- I didn't really have close Asian friends until middle school. <gasps> yeah, I only hung out with mostly... Like, most of my friends growing up were, were white. But, Interesting. But, like, strangely, I never felt 
like I was the odd one out. Oh, uh uh-huh. I think there were moments, definitely. Like, for example, with my school lunches. I don't know. (laughs) All the time. Your smelly lunch. Yeah. Your smelly lunch box. Yeah. And, like, I would want to, like, I didn't, like, there's this Korean thing called toshirak. Like, for people who don't know, it's like a Korean lunch box. And you put in rice and side dishes and whatever, and it goes into this. It all comes packaged in like this lunchbox, a tower. Yeah, basically. And that used to be what I would bring to school. But then all my friends, they would bring it in like a brown paper bag, and I thought that was what the cool kids were using. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I like insist. I would like tell my mom like, "Oh, I don't want to use this anymore, and stop packing me rice for lunch. I want like leftover pizza. I want sandwiches." And mm. yeah, you know, I was like, "I want it in a brown paper bag. It has to be in a brown paper bag." <laughs> it was like every time my Korean parents would try to attempt american cuisine like it would always be like Not. a fugazi version like it would be like you know like the only kind of cheese we ate was like craft singles yeah. like the yellow cheese i never got to see the white cheese like the pizza mozzarella cheese like that was like it was so it's like a rare pokemon like you never <laughs> saw it in the house <laughs> really yeah we That's never weird. had like mozzarella or you know like when you get like a sandwich from the deli and the bread is like like real uh, like what do you call it like, like a baguette yeah like a baguette or like a roll right you would only eat sliced white wonder bread because that was like all my parents thought of as bread mm. it's like, like we didn't have sourdough growing up you know mm-hmm, did you mm-hmm. ever i had mm-hmm. sourdough as an adult and i love sourdough but true as a child like there were just some things that i had never realized were so yeah different that's, that's true but korean food is so trendy now yeah, I think it's definitely different growing up Asian now than it was back then. Oh, 100%. Like, when I looked on TV or magazines, we didn't really have that many Asian role models or, like, people in the media, you know, on the scene. It was very rare. I think when I was a girl, like, when I was younger and I saw K-pop girl groups, mm. like, it was really fun to, like, follow along with the dances and stuff, but... It was also how I was introduced to, like, the idea of plastic surgery mm. or understanding Korean beauty standards in a way yeah. that really informed, like, my body image mm. since, since I was you were younger. Young. That's, like, how my family thinks, like, my parents and yeah. stuff. So I grew up with my mom saying, like, oh, do you want to get your eyelids done? Or, like, do you want to get your nose done? Like, it was just, like, a, such a casual and question that was thrown around. And I feel like if you're asked that starting at a young age, you start to think like, oh, do I need something done on my eyes? Do I need, you know, is there something wrong with my face? There's something about Korea being like a really efficient society that like you can fix it, which is the scary thing, right? It's like, yeah, you can get double eyelid surgery when you're in high school and Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. I wonder if like girls still feel that pressure to get plastic surgery now. Like, when I went to Korea and I was looking for um, BB cream, Mm. I couldn't find one that matched my skin color because I'm, like, considered dark for a Korean girl. Mm. And, like, it made me so mad because I thought of all the places Korea would be the place where I would fit in and I would find products that would, like, fit how I look. But it ended up being the opposite where I felt the fact that I was not really from Korea was even more magnified because I didn't fit the beauty standard. Yeah, I think that's, like, what a lot of korean american or asian americans probably struggle with right because yeah 
it's like obviously you're so assimilated into western and american culture yeah but and so when you go back to your home country i don't know it's like how do you maintain that balance and like keep both because like for me i would love to keep both because i think i identify with both yeah you know but me too right it's i think the fear is that if you're both you're nothing yeah that, like you can't be good at both yeah that or the fear that if you're both then you're less of one mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. like you're just taking half in a way and i think that like at a certain point you do have to accept the limitations and that i never really lived in korea mm. i've been there twice i mean i speak korean rather fluently i know how to read and write but i don't actually know what it means to be a korean national mm. and so like my understanding of what it means to korean will inevitably be a little bit bastardized and like i think i just have to accept that i won't ever be like nationally pure mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's one way to put it but then it's like being korean american or asian american is in its bastardized form an iteration of purity like you like it should be yeah mm-hmm. like it's its own thing yeah and i don't think that's a bad thing i think yeah. that's a point of pride for me that i get to be Mm. neither the korean of korea or the american of america i am always korean american because my understanding of being american is always informed by the fact that i am korean Mm. and my understanding of being korean is always informed by the fact that i grew up in america growing up i wanted to learn so much about korean history like i always sought out the korean people in my class and were like oh you're korean like yeah and then like i would watch korean dramas with my parents and then in elementary school there was a really popular korean drama called yainshide and it was basically about the japanese occupation about like this famous korean gangster named kim duan who i think he was like a spy for korea in japan was like fighting all the bad guys and like i think once i realized like oh there's so much more to being a korean because there is this you know history behind it like it made me want to identify Mm -hmm. with that culture for everything that we had been through Mm -hmm. but then like you say like when i bring my smelly lunchbox i am suddenly ashamed i think my experience might have also been different because in high school i went to a private school with like really rich white kids and there were a lot of rich asian kids but i was like asian and i was also not rich Mm -hmm. so somehow my being asian was like conflated with my being not rich Mm. so it suddenly became a class thing as much as a as an ethnic thing Mm -hmm. which i think is not always the case for people but then it's you start to realize like oh being a rich asian is really different from being a not Mm -hmm. rich asian Mm -hmm. or just like if your parents have the means to make a lot of money in this country and they have the resources like mo- it's more often the case that they know how to speak english that's very that they've true been here for generations mm. like i was shocked every time i saw an asian adult who sp- spoke fluent english yeah because my parents would like make me call time warner all the time and like yeah i was right? the one yeah. doing all of the phone calls translating everything exactly reading like government mail <laughs> Oh god. And you're so frustrated, but you feel guilty for feeling frustrated yeah. because you know that you are in such a p- place of privilege that you have access to that language. Yeah. 
And yeah, because it's like it's not like they don't want to learn it. And, of course. And they came here for the sake of us. Yeah. I think that's like what I constantly had to remind myself I of. Know. And it breaks my heart to think of how I reacted as a kid. Because I like I was such a brat. Me too. Yeah, I would always never do things just. I would never do things gla- like joyfully. Of course. Yeah. Always judging. Yeah, I always got annoyed, and I was like, oh, like I'll do it later, you know. Yeah. I wonder, did you ever feel, like, embarrassed that your parents... I actually did. Mm. Like, when I would go to parent-teacher conferences, Mm. and I had to translate to my own mom how Mm. I was doing in school. Like, that was a little... I think that's when it hit me for the first time. Right? It's... What did your teacher say? I think... (laughs) Or they didn't... I know, right? (laughs) I think the strangest part was, like, I think I almost felt judged by obviously my teachers were great you know but you can't help but think like okay no i think i just felt very protective of my parents that Mm. i never wanted someone to look down on them just because they couldn't speak english you're very protective of yeah but then my but i don't ever act on it the way i should like i'm protective but my actions show that i'm embarrassed that's the discrepancy you know yeah like i don't i don't know why i do that but it's just like even when you're out you know and like oh my god i remember this one time i visited new york with my mom and my brother and my mom like the sweet woman she is you have she, a brother yeah younger <laughs> brother wait you don't know i think i did yeah because yeah, i yeah. think we bonded over the fact that we both had younger brothers yeah okay yeah um jk we're close everyone <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like my mom would keep con- like she would keep stopping in the middle of the street like in new york you don't you shouldn't really stop traffic you know but she would like stop in the street it's a pretty busy street too and she'll stop to take a photo of something and she's very like she kind of seems like you know isn't aware of her surroundings and stuff and i see all these people like giving her looks or being like like saying stuff to her in english which she clearly doesn't understand yeah and instead of me sticking up for her and be like and being protective of her my immediate reaction is to be like oh like mom like what are you doing like mom Mm. you need to move like get out of the street you're in people's ways like people are saying stuff you know what i mean yeah so like when i think back on moments like that i'm like damn like why do i do that everyone don't cry i'm not (laughs) crying i just feel like so many people can relate to this because there always is such a disconnect between like how your heart breaks for your parents but then you don't know how to express it to them yeah and you don't know if it's symptomatic of the fact that like our parents themselves don't know how to express love to us and you know when you so as you get older you start to realize like i am like my parents in so many ways that i don't want to admit that no, i am 100 and you're just like so angry because you promised yourself as a kid like i would never turn out to be like my mom and then i see <laughs> myself acting exactly like her and i think those are one of those moments where like i can obviously feel my heart like breaking and wanting to be so protective of my parents and also so proud of them for the mm-hmm. fact that they've mm-hmm. been able to come so far despite all the things that they've had to sacrifice but then my actions are just like always dismissive like always self-conscious like always thinking about other people before my parents even Mm -hmm. though i know that's not what i really want and i always Mm -hmm. wondered like why 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 do we do that yeah like why i don't i don't know if it is it a personality thing or is it i thought it was because my parents never knew how to like truly like show their feelings like they didn't know how to portray their emotions and i thought like by osmosis i also didn't know Mm. but that seems kind of like a cop-out right i mean 
no not necessarily it just seems like it's like that for so many people across the board that i can't think it's a personality thing or maybe it is i think definitely growing up with very like traditional asian parents though like yeah they're not the best at expressing love like they're not asian parents aren't known for being very lovey-dovey and like like i don't know about you but my family we we never really gave each other hugs or kisses we didn't like we don't really even say i love you that much i think i I started (laughs) like we started saying it more as an adult like growing Mm. up but or like as an adult not so much growing up which i don't which i'm assuming they were my parents were like that maybe because of how they were raised too yeah you know for sure it's like I don't know. I, I think as I get older, I definitely understand more of just where they were at. And, like, they always mean well, you know, yeah. even if they don't say it. Um, I think, like, the the process of growing up requires you to hold seemingly contradicting ideas simultaneously in your head. Like, mm. at, at a certain... Uh, to a certain extent like i feel like my parents neglected me because they were always working because they had to make the sacrifice mm-hmm. right but i also have to understand their sacrifice as ultimately being for me mm-hmm. and so i also have to be grateful and realize that it's a privilege that they were able to make those sacrifices for me mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that by being grateful i can't also acknowledge that i felt True. neglected but just because I felt neglected doesn't mean my parents didn't have good intentions. Mm-hmm. So, like, holding both of those feelings in your heart at once, as you get older, I think generates, like, a, a deeper level of respect for them. Because sure. you can f- you can acknowledge that they weren't perfect, but also, as an adult, you realize, like, shit, it's really hard. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to afford rent yeah and feed yourself and still want to do things like go out and like imagine wanting to do all those things as an immigrant in this country but like not knowing how to speak the language like having to work really late nights like i'm just getting chills thinking about it like because there's no way when you're a kid you yeah have any way yeah and i I feel like once you have that understanding it also kind of it makes you understand why they enforce like education a lot and like studying hard because to them that's the path to success ultimately you know like that's their idea of it and so that's why i feel like a lot of us grow up feeling pressured to really excel in our academics and i don't know yeah you were smart you got good (laughs) grades esther (laughs) (laughs) i mean i tried though yeah like no you did really well a lot yeah um but i cared a lot because i wanted to make my parents happy Mm. you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. i didn't necessarily enjoy studying it was just i knew that that's what they wanted and that's what made them happy so it's like okay like that's my job as a student as a daughter right now so that's what i'm gonna do that was kind of my mentality that's really impressive though that like you were motivated by your parents and you managed to bring home the results like some for for a lot of people like it's not enough of a motivation to make your parents Mm -hmm. happy that you actually end up Mm -hmm. achieving those things but then like so you did really well in school and you went to a great college and now you have 
a job that a lot of people are super envious of, I would say, mm-hmm. right? Like so many people want to work in this industry. Like, how do you, do you feel like you've made the most of your education? Like you lived up to that expectation that your parents had for you? Man, that's like a whole other, <laughs> whole other like, episode. Um, honestly, no, I think I made a very selfish decision in choosing the path I chose. I could have easily gone the route of like stability where like I could have been a doctor I could have been a lawyer like I could have done something that definitely was gonna bring in more money at the end of the day you know like I make nothing dude I Um, also make nothing yeah it's just like the industry we're in so the choice I made was my passion over same um like what was stable and what was I guess right but it just seems so it just seems so hypocritical because your parents make that sacrifice so that you can do whatever you want and then when you actually do whatever you want it's like that's not what i wanted for you to want i mean my parents aren't like openly defiant of what i do yeah even though i really make no money like even though i my job is really like unstable i think my like we my family is fortunate enough where like i don't have to feed my parents Mm -hmm. but so many people do have that financial burden yeah Yeah. and for sure in that case like absolutely you don't have a choice but to choose stability so it's like i understand why our parents want that for us yeah but at the same time it's like you guys made a huge sacrifice so that i could feel fulfilled in my life and like Mm -hmm. i just have to trust I just have to trust God that like I'm I'm going to pursue that passion exactly. and, and it'll take me where I need to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't earlier I didn't mean to say that my mom wasn't happy mm. with what I do. She's always been very supportive of whatever my brother and I wanted yeah. to do. And I think also we were lucky in the sense that my mom never pr- like pressed us about grades Mm. like she didn't force us to go to like after school or sat prep or anything sat prep i had to beg my mom to send me wow like i was like mom please i need to get a higher score like wow look at you no but i but i mean but the thing is i wish i hadn't done that because sat prep is expensive Mm. and that's why she didn't send me because like she couldn't afford it and you couldn't have known that when you were younger but like what was top of mind for me was I just want to get a higher score so I could get wow. into a good school. You know, like I wasn't thinking about the finances at that time. Yeah. Like, what did I know? You know, so it's like I don't know where I was going with this, but <laughs> somewhere good. But um, oh, she—I'm sure she's really proud of you and your yeah. job and like what you're doing. Yeah, no, she's. I think as long as I'm happy, she's happy. Yeah, and I feel like that's something a lot of such a blessing. Yeah, that's such a blessing. And yeah, <laughs> no, the thing is like. My parents never pressured me to get good grades either, but I guess because my parents were never around, like, I did it for attention. Like, I thought if I excelled, I just needed them to be proud of me so that they would pay attention to me. Mm. (laughs) So sad. Um, And did they, or...? I think they just came to expect it. Mm. And I... How'd that make you feel? Were you... Did you feel more alone, or...? No, so this, I think, is also a testament to just my personality. Like, I am generally an ambitious person. So, like, I... (laughs) Wait, I want to also... Wait, also, to give a little context, you have your master's and you're getting your PhD. 
I just I'm, like, a, I'm applying for a PhD. Yeah. I have. I am not. I'm getting my second master's right now. Oh, okay, yeah. second master's. Yeah, that's just to give a little context on how ambitious, ambitious Yvonne is. So, like, we have a, a bigger picture. I liked excelling, um, but when I didn't receive the attention I was hoping for from my parents, I excelled for my ambition and then also rebelled for attention Mm. so it was almost like i was trying to do too much with my life like but i feel like those things mean totally different things now i feel like kids these days are like their parents generally speak english i don't think so no is it still Mm. the case that okay Mm. we're not there yet i guess when Mm. we're parents yeah it'll be that's when they'll be third generation I always get that confused. I know. Yeah. Are we first or are we se- we're second? I Our think parents I'm, I'm are- 1.5. That's right. I was born here, so I'm second. Uh, yeah. second. Okay. See, that's also something that like no one really parses out for you. Yeah. Like technically, you're 1.7. 1.73. <laughs> Just that's kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that actually a thing? <laughs> Called Asians in math. <laughs> Compute it. Yeah. I don't know. I I think. I think being Asian American is like there's so much diversity within being Asian American that it's really hard to account for like just like the endless experiences that mm. we as like a people have had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's amazing that despite that like endless array of experiences, we all still feel like the solidarity and mm. feeling like any other asian i see like hey i see you so i feel really grateful i think all the time that i was yeah i'm actually i'm actually very grateful for the way i was raised yeah but it's also because we were taught gratitude you know like our parents always tell us you better be thankful you better inside yeah yeah Yeah, so i'm glad i as i get older we've been able to like internalize that and actually make it a genuine gratitude it's true so i'm just thankful we could do podcasts yeah and talk about hopefully i get to do this again with you one day even again. though this is our goodbye kind of for now for now yeah but we'll see each other very soon mm-hmm. and um i hope everyone stay safe yeah and if you guys have any questions or any other topic suggestions send it to me wash your hands oh yes wash your hands um where can people find you if they want to see more of you if you're okay with that um you can call me my number is just kidding <laughs> <laughs> text <you. laughs> uh, email me at um no you can find my my instagram or find me on linkedin mm. actually though i think linkedin is like let's bring that medium back because <laughs> what's um, your instagram <laughs> oh my <laughs> instagram is do i spell it out yeah it's what? at y-v-o-n-n-a-y-e um, and then the name is Ivanian. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, All right. Thanks, Peace. guys. Bye. Bye. Love you.